stream on Facebook, for those of you who don't know, so uh, the camera's right in front of me. Welcome. Would you please rise for the reading of God's Word? We are in John chapter 16. We are going through John chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel. We uh, really believe that's the best way to, to teach and learn is to have one message build on the other chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so uh, John chapter 16, verse 24. Actually, we are going to start in verse 22. John chapter 16, verse 22, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Verse 23, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing us your heart, Lord. Showing us your heart through your words. And we come today, Lord, as David in the Old Testament has said of him that he was a man after your heart, Lord. I just pray that you make us men, women, children, who are men, women, children after your heart. And Lord, this morning we've already read and we're going to be talking. We, we, we read that you have a heart for us to pray, to talk to you, to be connected to you, just emotion and by, emotionally and by experience and, and, and verbally and not just religiously, Lord, going through motions. And I pray, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, you would instruct us by your word about becoming men and women of prayer and that we would be doers, not just hearers, but doers of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So these are among Jesus' last words to his disciples. It is the night. They just had the Last Supper. It's probably late night. In the morning, Jesus would be hanging on a cross, covered in blood. And the words that we're reading here, his last words to the disciples. Jesus knew the cross was just hours away. Every word here, carefully chosen. I challenge you, every one of you in this room, or who listens to this message, I challenge you uh, to read these words, chapters 13 through 17, over and over and over again, the last words on the, Jesus' last evening prior to being crucified. They are so deep, so rich, so full of God's heart for you. And Jesus is saying, listen, children, this is what he often called his disciples, listen, children, Soon I'll be dying. If you take anything away from my three years with you, please take this away. This is my heart for you. This is my priority for you. This is what I want for you. That's what these chapters are about, including the verses in the chapter we're in today. Now, you cannot do an honest, careful study of Jesus' last words. That is, his words in chapters 13 through 17. You can't, 
do an honest, careful study of Jesus' last words without arriving at the conclusion that God passionately, meaning in a big, big way, wants you to be a man, a woman of joy. That's what he wants for you. Now, some of us who grew up in religious homes where we heard things like, well, God cares more about holiness than our happiness, we're going to get kind of fidgety hearing stuff like that. God wants me to be a man, a woman of joy. He's passionate about that. He really wants that. It's his heart for me. But if I care too much about my joy, surely that means I am not giving up myself enough to God. Surely if I care too much about my joy, that means I care too little about holiness. This weird kind of guilt thing happens when we focus on our joy even though God makes it so clear in his word, his last word, seven times the word joy and more so the the words rejoice. It's his priority for you. Your joy is his priority for you. Surely if I care too much about my joy, that means I care too little about holiness. Listen, that is messed up religious thinking. (laughs) The Bible teaches that joy is huge, not small, huge. And really the key to understanding is, is that the Bible teaches that joy is not apart from, but it's a part of holiness. If you're taking notes, write that down. In the Bible, the Bible teaches that joy is not separate from holiness. It's part of holiness. So which begs the question, well, what is holiness? What is holiness? The problem is, is that theologians and pastors like me, we make something that is really very simple, incredibly complicated. What is holiness? Well, let me write a three-volume treatise about it. No, it's actually incredibly simple and incredibly uncomplicated. What is holiness? All you have to do is look at Jesus. You read about the life of Jesus, that's holiness. It's as simple as that. And part of who Jesus is, what he is, who he is, is it's, all about, it, 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 it's his joy. Jesus was a man who knew and was full of joy. Skip down to John chapter 17. Just a couple verses down from where you're at now. And go to verse 13. John chapter 17, verse 13. This is Jesus. And this is Jesus. John chapter 17 is Jesus not talking to the disciples. He's actually talking to God. So this is a prayer. John chapter 17, of God the Son praying to God the Father. And he says in verse 13, he's praying to God, he says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they, meaning his disciples, meaning you, Calvary Chapel in the city, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Holiness, you want to know what holiness is? It's Jesus. What's holiness? What's Jesus? Well, he's talking about joy. It's a part of holiness. A part of holiness is joy. Joy is not separate from holiness. It's part of what holiness is because it's part of who Jesus is. Now, so let's move on. God passionately, he like in the biggest way wants you to be a man or woman of joy. John Piper likes to give this illustration around Mother's Day, which was just last week. Uh, And actually, uh, I'm going to use my anniversary because as I mentioned last week, on Monday was my 30 year, Stephanie and my 30 year anniversary. So I'm going to use that illustration. Now, if I came to my wife on an anniversary And I have a big bouquet of flowers, and I give them to her. 
She says, oh, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. And I respond with an expressionless face. No, you're wrong. I should have. It's my duty. (laughs) It's my duty to give these flowers to you. Oh, my. However, if instead I say, what do you mean I shouldn't have? I love doing this. It gives me so much joy to bless you and give you these flowers. Take these flowers. I love you. Now, which of these two responses is going to bless her the most? What do you think? Now, let's carry that a little bit more, uh, this illustration. If I give her the flowers with a joyful, with a heart filled with joy, can you imagine how much even more she will be blessed if she knows that in my life, when I'm giving her those flowers with joy, if she knows in my life, there's all kinds of sorrow and pain and affliction and trials going on. So imagine that. There's something with a child in my life which is, is causing enormous pain. Or there's, there's, there's a big time um, issue uh, uh, in my extended family. Or there's uh, some crisis, a crisis going on in my life. But I'm still coming in and I'm still offering these, this bouquet of flowers to her with joy, honey, just take this. And she's, can you imagine how much that blesses her just knowing that with all that going on in my life, I still love her enough to bless her with joy in my heart. It's the same way with the Lord. Brothers, sisters, Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And that's not just talking about money. That's talking about your life. He, he loves a, a, a life that is given to him cheerfully, with joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You bless him with your joy. Now, and especially in the midst of trials, affliction, pain in your life, you bless him with your joy. So there are a few things, Calvary Chapel in the city, more important than seeking God for your joy. God's passionate about that. We know that from these last words of Jesus' ministry. Now, when I say that, of course, you're never going to want to seek his joy also apart from obedience with his word, right? And people try this. Well, God wants me to be happy. So these three verses from this chapter in the Bible, I mean, I think these are really, I can't deal with these. I'm not going to be happy with these, uh, following these verses, so I'll lay those aside. After all, God wants me to be happy. Nonsense! You seek your joy in God and never do so apart from obeying his word and being in his will. Okay. So guess what time it now is. Anyone want to guess what time it is right now? Uh, not, not literally what time, like Whatever, what is it? Clock, it's 12.20. No, well, guess what time it is. It's time for the question of the week. (laughs) It's time for the question of the week. Are you ready? Again, don't shout out the response. Here's my question for you. This is a sobering question. It's a very serious one. Are you in a place this morning where you're starving for it? for joy. That's where you're at. Do you find yourself suffering often from a lack of joy? Would you describe yourself as a man, a woman of joy? Now, and I ask these questions not to bring condemnation upon anybody. I am well familiar with seasons of my Christian life as a pastor. I could not describe myself as a man of joy. But, but, but we come here to do business with God. Are you in a place this morning where you're starving for joy? Do you find yourself 
often, chronically, suffering from a lack of joy? Would you describe yourself as a man, a woman of joy? If not, if you cannot describe yourself as a man or woman of joy, is it possible that the reason is a lack of prayer? The Bible teaches that if prayer has a low place in your life, low place, low priority, low importance, there's a really, really, really good chance that you will struggle with a lack of joy. Why do I say that? Because Jesus says it, verse 24, chapter 16, let's read it together. It says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So amazing in these last words of Jesus, we see the priority of two things in these last chapters, these, these last verses that Jesus gave right before his crucifixion. Amazing the priority of two things, two themes throughout his words. The first is joy. The second is prayer and the connection between them. There's a connection. It's a fascinating connection. Jesus says in John 15, verse 11, he says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And then you connect that to verse 24 of Chapter 16, which we just read, let's read it again. It says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So what I want to do this morning, I want to I share with you some things about how to get you into a place, into a path where you're experiencing the fullness of God's joy because, listen, that is God's priority for you. And I, but I also want to share some things from the Word of God and from my own life for the purpose of making you a man, making you a woman of prayer, because that's God's priority for you. And there's a connection between the two. If you got the prayer thing down, the joy will follow. The joy will follow. Now, it has been said that... Uh, if a pastor ever wants to make his congregation feel guilty, oh, just preach about prayer. And of course, God forbid that I or any pastor ever want you guys to be guilty just for the sake of being guilty, but I think you get the point. Prayer does not have the place in the life of the average American Christian that it should have. A lot of that is because just of the prosperity of the country. It just... It just it's toxic, prosperity can be. It just eliminates uh, the desire uh, to pray. But, 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 you know, you can, in your life, you can get through life and you can um, be what the American is. And, and, and I'm convinced one of the reasons that it's such a problem in America, again, is because we have this long history of just being hard workers. My uh, grandfather, and I grew up in the western suburbs of Boston. I mean, this guy was a, a, a hard-working maniac. Uh, and, and, but he had only gotten that from his grandfather, who he got it from his grandfather, really for hundreds of years. We're like that in America. We, we you know, we, we, we pray. We, uh, we, uh, rather, we don't pray because why? Because in the church, you know, we've learned that all you have to do is, is you work hard and, and you get results in your life. You work and you work and work and you get results. You get results are results except for one thing. No joy. No joy. And as a result of the lack of the no joy, 
no witness for God. You don't look like Jesus. You don't look holy. Joy, joy is part of Jesus' holiness. And so I want to talk now about getting to the place of joy and to the place where you're a man, you're a woman um, of, of prayer. I want to share with you a little bit about my story. So I've been a pastor of this church for about 16 years. I would say for the first 13 years, I would, I would say that I was a man who, who prayed a lot compared to to most Christians and probably compared to most pastors. I, I up every Wednesday morning praying with some folks in the church. I uh, pray with my wife. My, we have a prayer time before we go to bed every evening. I have a Bible study every morning. I'm praying throughout. I, I take uh, a day or two every month to, to, to fast every once in a while more than uh, one or two days to just to fast and to pray. And uh, that is how I... I, I, I operated, I operate. I had a lot of prayer for the first 13 years that we had our church here. But about three years ago, really almost to the day, I, I read this verse in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, for the 2,678th time probably. And it says this, we, speaking of pastors and elders, will give ourselves continually... It does say continually, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, and finally, after 12 years, 13 years rather, of, of just basically trying to convince myself of something different, I, I had to admit, I had to confess that if, if someone took a, a look at my life, they would say, Pastor Steve is a man who is given continually to the ministry of the word, but not to prayer. And I realized the one thing that was lacking, and it was not the, I feel like this voice had just been pinging the Holy Spirit for years and years. The one thing that was lacking was an appointment with Jesus every afternoon for the specific time of prayer. Just apart from the word of God, rather, not apart from the word of God, apart from my time in the morning with the word of God. I couldn't use that as an excuse. Oh, I pray, you know, I'm in the word every morning, I'm praying throughout, and I was. But a specific appointment to pray. And so three years ago, almost to the day, every afternoon, somewhere between one and three hours, there's usually something in between, Monday, Monday through Fridays, that's what I've been doing for the last three years. Every once in a while, I'd miss a day. If a week's really crazy, I'd miss a couple of days. But that is what I have been doing for the last three years. And I've learned so much during my time praying. And, 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 and again, it's, it's, it's that, it's this verse right here where I realized that I hadn't had an appointment with God specifically to pray, but it was also just the realization that there was time in my life where I could do it. Because every day at about 4.30 or 5 or something like that, the end of the day, man, I would just, you know, I'd, do, I'd fast from the internet for the whole day, which I still do to this time. I call the whole day up to 4 p.m., 5 p.m. And then I would go and look, I'd look at every single news line from... Uh, that, that exists in the internet. And, you know, I would just have be filled with, not the Holy Spirit, but news. Um, after an hour, I knew what was going on in the world. Now, that's important. We do need to know what's going on. We want to pray. So we're going to pray for, for the, the shooting this week at that school. We need to be knowing what's going on. However, I knew what time period I had to eliminate. And I also... There's an old expression, uh, most of you know this, uh, and it is this, it, the good is the enemy of the best. I, I, I needed to get to the point where I really lived this expression. The good is the enemy of the best. Now, what do I mean by good? An email comes in 
to my inbox, and many, many come in, and there's just a real, true problem going on. Well, it's a good thing for me to respond to that, and I got to do that. Or, or a telephone call comes in, or I have a voicemail waiting, and, and there's a person who I really need to call to encourage. It's a good thing. Or, or I need to, uh, I happen to know someone needs me to go somewhere to, to, to do whatever, give them a ride or something like that, or, or go on a hospital visit or something like that. That's a good thing. But none of those are the best thing. The Bible says the best thing is standing and sitting and getting on your knees before the living God who loves you. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 says this. It says, everyone who's created by name, I created so that they would know me. So that they would know me. And the Hebrew word there, know, K-N-O-W, is the word, the Hebrew word yada. You see it in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, Adam knew Eve and Cain was conceived. It's not knowing facts. It's an intimacy with God. You were created to know God in that way, intimately. That's God's best for you. Your life is crowded, if your life is like mine, with all kinds of good things. Those good things can wait 95% of the time. The best thing is to spend time with God. So I headed out, and I've been praying every afternoon, and, and you know what I do with my phone? I'm using it the whole time because I'm writing notes and I'm pr- writing a prayer journal during the whole time, but I put it on airplane mode. No phone calls, no texts, or if you wonder, if you're calling me at about five in the afternoon, why that thing goes right into whatever, a cave, whatever they call it, it's because I'm praying. Pray for me, by the way, during those times. But... but um, I want to share with you, so this message is going to be a little different. I want to, to, to share with you uh, really some practical things of what I've learned because I want you to become a man or woman of prayer. God, I've become a man of prayer. I'm a man of prayer. I could say that. And, and it's just a wonderful, glorious thing. So, so, but I, so I want to start with this. I, I, really important. Most of the time when I go off to pray, I'm not all fired up about it. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I, I, I'm not at all. Uh, and I, I do realize that, that it is true that for a Christian, prayer is a duty. It's a commandment. You need to obey it. So do I. But who wants to pray day in and day out with there's no joy in it? Who wants to do that? I want to put the joy into your prayer life because that's what God has done with me. He's put the the joy into my prayer life and the joy is the engine of the time praying. So if you're taking notes, real important, there's a few things. I found... And describe to you step by step what I do when I when I go first thing to go to a place where you're not going to be uh, distracted. For me, I actually take the church van and I, I find a, a place where I'm not going to be distracted. The key is, and the thing that made all the difference for me is that I found that the way I what I needed to do it was that my mind needed to be changed. It needed to be renewed. The first part of my prayer time, I needed to focus on my mind, my distracted, anxious, polluted mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 says this, put off the old man. The Bible says that in Christ, when you give your life to the crucified, resurrected Lord to make him king of your heart, the Bible says you're a new creation. You are a new creation. However, until Jesus return or you go to heaven, you, you, you got to live with the old man, the old nature. It lingers around. 
And so Paul says, every day, and I'm saying at the beginning of your prayer time, my prayer time, put off the old man which grows corrupt and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man or the new mind which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So uh, focusing the first part of your time in prayer on that distracted, unfocused, cluttered mind of yours. And what I'm going to describe now, you can do the whole thing in, in less than a half an hour. You don't need an hour, you don't need three hours, you don't need two hours, you don't need a day. You can do this in a half an hour, a half an hour appointment. So I have found that uh, by doing this every time, meaning every afternoon, or evening, or sometimes it's like wicked late into the night where I get out to my appointment over the last three years. Every single time that I have gone out, Monday through Friday, every afternoon over the last three years, that by the end, a peace and a joy has settled in. A peace and a joy has settled in this so many times, not all the time, but many, many times. I enter the time frustrated, angry at someone, bitter, upset, hurt by someone, stressed out, wanting to escape. Oh, God, I'm like, Elijah, please take my life. Please, Lord. I, I go into the prayer time like that, helpless, hopeless, distracted, discouraged, depressed, feeling like no one cares, feeling swamped with work, feeling life is too complicated. Every time, without exception. And, and I'm sure at some point there's going to be exception in the future. But God, priority for me is my joy and my peace. Every time, by the end, I had a peace and a joy that had settled on me. So here, here it goes, if you're taking notes. Here's what I do at the beginning of the prayer time. The first thing I do, and I'm, I'm sorry to tell all you men this, you, you ladies are going to be okay with this, but you men, it does involve writing something. I, I'm sorry, guys. I know, you know, oh, uh, yeah, sissies do that. Oh, sorry. Okay, you're going to be a sissy for Christ. Actually, it's not being a sissy for, for, for Christ. Real men keep a journal. They write something down. And, and, and so uh, it, 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 there's real men wrote this book, guys. Just, just think about that. So, but, so, so, so how do I do it? So the first thing... The first thing, if you're taking notes, we're going to put these things on the projection screen. I put this question right in front of my face. I'm using my, uh, my smartphone. By the way, the smartphone, you know that thing that the devil uses all day and night? Well, God uses it too in the most glorious way. <laughs> you can use this thing. And I'm, I'm using this, and now I don't know what I'm going to do without this. I guess I'll have volumes and volumes of, uh, of pages. But uh, I put this question in front of my mind, in, in, right in front of my eyes. Where have I today been worrying, complaining, plotting, and or busying myself in the flesh? So this is how I start my time in prayer. I, I, I'm just looking at it, and almost every day, at least one thing or two or three things, I realize I can't believe it. I've done it again. I, 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 there's this, this thing, and all day, I'm like, okay, this is plan A, I'm going to do this, and, and, and if he or she doesn't cooperate with you know, what, how I think things should be done, I'll try from plan C, plan D, plan E, plan F, and, and all day without a word of prayer. I'm just like all day just thinking about these things. My mind anxious about this thing. And, and I'm plotting to try to, you know, to figure out a way to, or, or I'm busying myself in the flesh, meaning I'm actually doing stuff. I'm going here or there or, or, or trying this or that without any prayer. And I write down, I put in a, on a list, I write down what that is. That person, that thing, that crisis in the job, that thing that's supposed to roll out, you know, I'm supposed to be part of a rollout at work and it ain't never going to happen, that, 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 that school thing that there's no possible way uh, I, that, that I can be prepared to, to turn this thing in, I write it down. And then the next thing I do is I put put these verses right in front of my eyes. 
Mark chapter 8, verse 18 and 21. And I have these verses typed out, looking at on my smartphone. And, I'm, and this is from Mark 8, verse 18 and 21. This is, uh, Jesus says this at a time where his disciples, they had already seen him feed 5,000, 4,000 one time, 5,000 on another, feed uh, all those people with just a few fish and a few loaves. And here in Mark 8, Yet again, they're saying, oh no, we don't have bread to eat. And Jesus turns to them and he says, wait a second. Mark 8, verse 18. You guys have eyes, but you're not seeing. You did not see what I did. You have ears, but you didn't hear. Do you not remember what I did? How is it that you do not understand? I read that and I'm like, Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> and I, I, I'm so thankful I can ask for forgiveness for the 10,000th time. I did it again. Forgive me. The next thing that I do. So the first one is the complaining thing. The second one is this. I have this verse right in front of me. With whom am I not pursuing love? And connected to it, and that's from 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Connected to it, Jude 21. Can it be said in any situation that I'm not diligently keeping myself in the love of God, meaning love for God and love for people? And almost every day, I realize someone's wronged me, and I'm replaying the wrong in my mind over and over and over again, Oh man, I served this person. I blessed this person. I, everything that I've been doing for this person and then they just bolt on me or whatever. And then I write their name down. <laughs> or I write their name. Sometimes it's a whole group of, this, this, this group of guys, this group of ladies, whatever. I realize my heart, I'm not pursuing love. I'm not keeping myself in the love of God. And I write them down. The third thing that I do, and again, you, you can do all this in 10 to 12 minutes. The third thing that I do, Dave, do we have the First Thessalonians verse? First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, in everything give thanks. Does anyone know, can anyone finish that for me? Anybody? For this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of God. In everything, give thanks. And every single day, I have another section, and I write out for that day just what I need to be thankful for. And, and I'm telling you, sometimes, many times, it's as simple as, God, I just thank you for the sun. I don't do too well with four straight days of, of fog. I don't. So I'm thanking God for the sun. Or um, someone bless me. On, on Monday morning, I just thank you, God, for, for giving me a message yesterday. Just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Put my wife's name, my, my, my children's name, whatever, big things and small. And this is, this is what I do. This takes literally 10 to 12 minutes. For, even for me, this portion takes 10 to 12 minutes. And you know what's happened? Ephesians chapter 4, my mind has been renewed. My mind has been renewed. Now again, why is it so important to do this at the beginning of, uh, of the prayer time? Our, not, our mind needs to be renewed, but also kind of a more practical uh, in-your-face thing, in-your-face verse. 1 John 3.22 says this. We can't run from this verse. It says what it says. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Brothers and sisters, you cannot please God when you're holding on to all kinds of anxiety replaying in your mind, when you're holding on to some kind of issue where you're not loving someone, that, that, that you're, not, you're not pursuing love with them. It can't be said that you're... Uh, uh, it, it can't be said that you're obeying the word of God, which says that you're supposed to keep yourself in the love of God. You're not pleasing him. And then the Bible says that um, you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus the moment you confess it, but you've got to confess it. You've got to get the business done if you want your prayers answered. 
you got to get the gunk out. And then the obvious, the second part, why do you need to begin this way or why I think? It's not a formula, but this is just what I've learned. The second thing is, you, you're all familiar with this. It's from the Lord's Prayer. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray like this. He didn't mean exactly like this. Pray this exact prayer twice a day for the rest of your life. No, he's not saying pray like this every day. And one of the things in that prayer is what? Forgive us our trespasses, meaning our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. How can there ever be joy in our prayer? And remember, the, the goal here is for, your, is for you not to just pray out of duty, but pray out of joy. How can you have joy in your prayer if there's all kinds of stuff between you and God? You haven't confessed it. Not, haven't confessed those anxious thoughts. Haven't confessed that person you're not loving, even though Jesus died on the cross for you doing so much worse. You can't. You got to get this out of the way. Your, your, your mind needs to be renewed at the beginning of your prayer time. So now you're ready to, you're ready to pray. You're ready to pray now. So you, you, you begin with prayer, and, and, and so this is generally how I do it. I, I do begin with really the, the, the trials that are, are, are close to my heart, close to my life. And then I move from there to Acts chapter 6, verse 4, which is I intercede, and I'm interceding for you. I'm praying for you. If I am not praying for you, if I'm neglecting praying for you all, I should step down. I should resign from, from being a, a, a pastor because I've been called to pray for you. But I, 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 I continue. So I start off you know, praying with just trials that have have just come into my life, those things, and, and sorry, men, again, <laughs> I write them out. And, or, you know, there'll be a big issue in the church, you know, just a huge ministry hole that just opened up for one reason or another, and, and I write it down, or I'm having a big problem with, with a person, some person, or I'm having an issue with one of my children. It's a big, that's a big one, parents. You'll be praying for your kids. I'm having a big issue with my, my children or I'm having physical pain, I just write it down. And then I, and then I reflect on those and, and, and I realize and I, I meditate on what the Word of God says, which says every single one of these things that I have written down, it got to me by going through God first. Every single one of them, these trials, that I'm going to be praying for, it got to me by going through God first. God has chosen them for my good. He's using them to form and fashion me into the image of Jesus Christ. And so then I go from there to praying for for, for you all, and I have really big lists there. And I, I really like when I get to the point where I can delete the thing, where, where the Lord has, has answered you know, a prayer in, 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 about you guys. And, 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 and that's, that's what I've been doing for the last three years. And, and it's just been such a privilege, such a wonderful journey. Of course the Lord is gonna, uh, it, it has a lot to do with me and, and, and to grow me in this area. But I, I want you all to become men and women of prayer. So uh, this is what we're going to do now. We're, we're going to have a communion time now, and we're going to do things a, a little different. We're going to do things a little different with this communion time I want to close with these two verses. One of them I already quoted. The Bible wants to be a man or woman of prayer. In Isaiah 43, verse 7 and 10, those verses say this, I have created you so that you may know me. This is know me by experience. And you do that with prayer. You do that with talking with God. This is why God created you. 
But not only that, it also says in John 14, one of the many verses in prayer in Jesus about prayer and Jesus closing words right before he was crucified. He's talking about prayer throughout chapter 14, 15 and 16. It says in verse 13 of chapter 14, whatever you ask in my name. Now, coming to Jesus in my name, it means you're not going to Jesus or to God rather. You're not going to God praying in your own name. Meaning based upon how you good you've been this past week. That's not the reason. You're not going in your own name, or you're not, uh, you're not refusing to go to him because you've had a bad week. It has nothing to do with how good or bad your week uh, has been. You're going to him in Jesus' name. Jesus lived a perfect life to credit to your account. He died for your sins. The penalty of your sins was death. He died for your sins. The Bible says that at the moment he died after his crucifixion, the uh, veil in the temple, the separation between the people and God, it was torn into. Hebrews chapter uh, 8 and 9 say that you can go right into the presence of God by the name of Jesus, not in your own name, in his name. And then what does it say? It says, ask whatever you want in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Listen, your prayer life goes to the very heart of God's purpose for the whole world. So he created the world for his glory. It, 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 it says that, um, the Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Your prayer life glorifies him. So uh, Dan is going to come up here. And uh, he is going to uh, just play, play instrumental for the worship service. What I'd like to do at this point, if the ushers could come up, what I would like to do at this point is, why, in order to prepare for communion, I want you to begin with exactly how I've been beginning uh, uh, my prayer time. And I want to use that in order to prepare your heart, my heart, for communion. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, let a man, let a woman examine themselves prior to communion. So what I want you to do, I want you to take out that smartphone and go to that note section or somewhere where, where you can write down, and Dave, if we can get the... Uh, we can get the complaining thing up here, the worrying thing. And I want you... I want you to write down what it is this weekend. What have you been worrying about, complaining about, plotting and or busying yourself about? Just, and I want you to list it out before communion. And after you've done that, I want to, uh, I, I, we're actually going to leave the, this verse up, uh, this verse from uh, the book of Mark. After I do, I, I just want you to reflect. We're going to leave this up. After you've written down what you've been complaining about, anxious about this week, uh, I want you to reflect on these verses. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? How is it that you don't understand? God has cleaned up these messes for you so many times. And just to, just to reflect on that. By the way, yes, if, if anyone, would, uh, don't, you don't have your phone or you prefer to write, we have pens. Anyone need a pen? We, can, uh, we have this great note section. That, oh, yes, I love it when people's, this thing is filled on a Sunday with uh, notes from the service. If you need a pen, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will come to you uh, with a pen. The next thing is, so start off with the complaining thing, but then I want to move to the pursuing love thing. With whom am I not pursuing love? And it's a compound question. Can it be said in any situation that I'm not diligently keeping myself in the love of God? And I, I just want you to write these things down. So we're going to take so five to ten minutes just to reflect on these things and write them down. And lastly, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, write what you're thankful for. You're thankful for the eggs and toast and bacon you had this morning. Really, and anything, just big things, small things. Just write down what you are thankful for. 
And this is going to be our way this morning of preparing for communion. And we're going to leave the verse from uh, Mark up there. And just after, after you've, as you write things down, just reflect on these wonderful verses from Jesus, who is saying to you, and he's certainly saying to, to my heart, having eyes, Steve, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? How is it that you don't understand? I'm faithful. I'm faithful in your life. Okay, so uh, let's go. And we have the communion tables in the back, so after a while I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask everyone to uh, go back and and get a cup and, and a cracker and return to your seats. But let's start. Let's do that as Dan begins. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just help us bring to light bring to mind where have we been complaining, murmuring, plotting scheming in the flesh doing things in our own strength where or with whom in what situations are we not pursuing love, not keeping ourselves in the love of God and Lord where, where can we be thankful, lead us there Lord show us, help us as we prepare for communion, in Jesus name right away. Again, if anyone needs a pen, just raise your hand.
your leisure, you can go to the back. There's tables in the back. If you need more time, by all means, take more time. But it, so you can go to the back and get a cup, get a cracker, and then just return. Return to your seats, and we'll have communion together. Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, let's pray, and can the gospel choir come up at this time? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for not holding back your truth, your heart for us. We thank you, Lord, that the privilege of being men and women who are after your heart that's not limited just to people like David in the Bible and Moses, Abraham, the Apostle Paul and Peter. It's every man, woman, and child who is in Christ. We have that privilege of becoming men and women and children after your own heart and discovering everything that's there, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord Jesus, we remember the blood 
because of it we can go right into the presence of the Father and we can talk to him we can weep we can we can even get angry there we can be honest with him we, because of your blood Jesus your faithfulness on the cross and then your broken body is by your stripes, by the wounds you suffered at the hands of a Roman whip, we are healed. We thank you for that, Lord. And we remember. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, please rise for a closing worship song. Join the gospel choir.